Good morning. As you can tell, I'm not Dave. I'm better looking, but anyway. Uh, no, it's really good to be here. Dave is in Iowa, like was said, him and Rachel doing a marriage uh, conference up there. And so he had sent me a text a few weeks ago and said, if I haven't asked you yet, can you preach on the 21st? And I said, well, you haven't asked me yet. So if you're asking me, yes, I can. So he sent me uh, uh, the topic, and that was, and we had a few conversations. But I have to say that when I read this passage of Scripture, and I've read it many times, as God generally does, he reveals things that he doesn't always reveal. That there are things that come out of his word that speaks to us, and it doesn't do that the same all the time. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. And I want to read that text this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up your phone, I guess, and find a link, or if you have that app, and open up that app, and just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. You know more about it than I do. I generally drop, open up my Bible, I go to the drop-down menu, which is in the chapter. Oh, no, it's not a drop-down menu, it's just... Anyway, uh, I'm a little old school, but one day when your battery's not charged, I can still read. So anyway, let's look at verse 31 and begin reading. Then, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teachings because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All of the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they were asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them, and moreover, demons came out of them, and many people shouting, you are the son of God. And he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judah. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful for your word that you have entrusted us with. I pray today that you speak through us. You speak through your words. That these things we can put into practice. That, that we can see what it is you're trying to reveal to us this day. We love you. We ask your blessings on this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in a world that loves the sensational. We love to see all of these wonderful things. 
If you would go out and you can and read true stories about people that have experienced miracles, you will find that you could probably make a movie out of it and make a lot of money. There's all kinds of things that go on. In 1988, there was a man named Edgar Weishunt. I don't know if you were alive then or if you ever know this guy. He was a NASA engineer. But he wrote a book. The title of the book was 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. Now, I'm sure he had a lot of insight when he started putting this thing together. And in fact, he actually said the rapture would happen between September the 11th and September 13th. On the 14th, he revised that to say, no, it's going to happen October 3rd. And then on October 3rd, he revised that and said, well, it's eventually going to happen soon because of everything that was going on. Wow. Thousands of people, however, took the book seriously. Many people started going to church. He sent 300,000 copies to ministers across America, and 4.5 million books were sold. And the real result of all of that was Word Publishing made $200,000 off all the profits. I remember going into the local bookstore. I was living in Pale, Indiana. And this was probably that summer. This book was out. It was selling like hotcakes. People were doing all kinds of things. And I used to go into the bookstore and buy stuff to try to help small business, you know, in a small town. And I noticed there was a display of this book. So I went to the lady who owned the store and I said, hey, I've got a question for you. Why are you selling that book? She says, well, because. I said, because why? She said, well, I mean, you know, look what it says. I mean, the rapture could be happening. And, and all these people are buying this book and people are starting to go to church and this is happening and that's happening and all this wonderful stuff. And I said, well, what are you going to do January 1st, 1989? She goes, what do, you, what do you mean? When the rapture doesn't happen. When all the sensation is gone. When everybody knows the book was a fraud. When everybody knows the book's not true. I said, are you not like the, the people in Deuteronomy when they talked about the false prophets? Because the Bible says anything that comes from the word of God will be accurate and will happen 100%. So if you ever hear, thus saith the Lord, and it's true, it'll happen. And I said, since you're promoting this, and if it doesn't happen, then we know this guy was a false prophet. And you're selling his book. I'm glad to know that she went and took the display down and shipped all the books back to Word Publishing. She never thought about it like that. And neither do we a lot of times. A lot of times when things happen, when things go, we want the sensational. We want the spectacular. And here we have a story of Jesus. And what is the first thing that jumps out at you? The heading in my Bible says, Jesus drives out impure spirit. You know what? They missed the whole point of this passage. They missed the whole point. Go down to right below that. And starting verse, it says, Jesus heals many. Again, the whole point's missed. The whole point's missed. The theme of today is the result that Jesus had were because Jesus was doing the will of the Father. 
And his results were successful because he was doing that. So what was going on here? First of all, we have to understand that Jesus was successful because of the authority of his preaching. Notice what the people said. Listen to his words. Listen to the power of his words. Listen to the authoritative voice. Listen to what he is saying, how much power and authority there is within that. That even because of that authority, the demons respond. The demons respond. Jesus was doing something that they had not seen before. You see, before they would go to a synagogue, and Jesus at the synagogue in the beginning of this, and the Pharisees would get up, and they would read from the scroll, and they would interpret what the scroll might be saying. They might reference some other Pharisee person who had made a comment about this. Sometimes, just like we preach and we use other things, they did the same thing. But then they did something different. You see, then they would start talk, talking about the oral traditions. They would start talking about the Torah. And they would start talking about all the undue burdens that they're putting on the people and the things that they need to do. And so the people sat there feeling guilty, feeling uncomfortable, feeling not being able to do what they thought they should be doing based on all of the burdens that these people were putting on them. That sounds like a great Sunday morning sermon, doesn't it? But that's not how Jesus taught. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus' message was entirely different. It wasn't about the traditions. Oh yes, he referenced the prophets, but also when Jesus taught, his teaching was different. He did not preach like other people. Jesus' teaching was about repentance. Jesus was teaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus was teaching that God is now among you. Jesus was teaching Things of repentance and acceptance. And then Jesus was also doing something that we can't even do. Jesus would say something like, you've read what this said, but I say, go read the book, of, go read Matthew chapter 5. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus says, well, it is written to love, or, you know, to love this or love that. And I say, or, and to forgive your enemies, but I say you, you love them. But I say, Jesus was going, I say this. I'm adding to what's being said here. Here's what the law says, but I can do this because why? He was God in the flesh. And he was teaching, oh, so different. And he was teaching love and repentance and acceptance. And so it was much more different than that. Jesus had the authority. Remember in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus had the authority. And it came out in his preaching. But it also came in in how he preached and how he communicated to people. And so because of that, we see the results. We see what the people were saying. Look at what they say here again. They were amazed at his teaching because the words had authority. And even when he told the demons to be quiet, listen, why did Jesus do that? Well, first of all, if Jesus is going to get a marketing group, he's not going to select the demons to do it. He's just not. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to 
12 people that don't have much of an education and don't have a lot and are failures and have been sinners and aren't very successful. And he's going to take those guys and he's going to teach them about God and change the world. That was his marketing strategy. Now, in most businesses, that would not be very, they'd just probably fire him on the spot. But that was his strategy. You see, Jesus was very different. Jesus had the authority. And people saw that in how he preached, how he taught, and the things that he said. It was different. And he told the demons to be quiet because he did not want them to reveal who he was. Understand something this morning. The demons believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They were afraid. Think about that for a minute. But here's the other thing that I want to point out about that. What was going on here was not what Jesus wanted everybody to know. They wanted Jesus, Jesus wanted people to come to know God because of the words he was saying, not because of the acts he was performing. You see, that's the second thing we need to understand. Jesus had results because there was importance of the message he was preaching. There were a lot of things going on here. Jesus healed a lot of people. Jesus had the authority over these things. But please understand what was more important, the message or the miracle? Everybody wants to point to the miracles. Everybody wants to point to the wow factor. Everybody wants to point to that. But that's not what Jesus wanted to point to. Jesus wanted to point to the message that he was preaching. Let's even go down when he goes to Simon's house. I want to say something about miracles because we need to understand this. There can be a whole series on miracles. That's not today's message. But I do want to point out something. When he healed Simon's mother-in-law, she was immediately healed. It wasn't go to the doctor and check and see if you're okay. It wasn't okay, I've healed you, take a few days and, and, and get your strength back. She was so grateful that Jesus healed her, she immediately got up and fixed lunch. It was instant. Go to all the miracles of Jesus. They were instantaneous. I remember when I was a Bible college student many years ago, even before 1988. And I, for one of my classes, I had to make some calls. As a pastor, you have to call on people. That's just part of it. And so I had to make three different calls and write down the people I visited and what we talked about. So I, I didn't, I'm in Cincinnati. I'm from Harrodsburg, Kentucky. I don't know anybody up there. I don't, I don't know where to go. So I had a, a professor say, well, hey, call this minister here. He's at the church there in, in, uh, in, there in Cincinnati, and, and he'd be glad to help you. So I called him, and he said, yeah, he's, matter of fact, I've got two or three calls I need to make Saturday morning. Why don't you just come and go with me? So I went with him, and I don't remember two of the calls, but this one I did. Because it was a 12-year-old little girl. 
she was laying on the couch when we got there. And she, I began to hear about her story. She had a crooked spine. Her spine was crooked as an S. And she had went to church right there. It was two blocks from her house. She walked every Sunday. Her parents stayed home, watched TV. This little girl walked to church, painfully walked to church. There was a faith healer named W.D. Grant. I don't mind telling his name because I kind of know a lot of his story. It's not positive. This little girl got some friends of hers to take her to a meeting at Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. And somehow, she was able to get up on stage with him in order to get healed. He prayed over her. He laid his hands on her. And he said, your back is healed. It's no longer crooked. It's straight. She didn't feel any different. The pain was still there. And she left. She got her parents to take her to the doctor. And guess what? She wasn't healed. Back was an S. Crooked. She says to me, a young college student, and asked me a question. She said, why would someone get up and promote and preach and be confident in that when it wasn't true? Jesus, I'm just a freshman. But here's what I told him. I said, turn to Philippians. And I don't know why God brought this scripture to my mind, but he did. And Paul writes in that, in that chapter in Philippians that some people preach Christ out of vain and out of envy in order to try to hurt me, but who cares? Christ is being preached. That was his take. So my take to you is, okay, you weren't healed, but yet, he's trying to preach Jesus. Maybe he'll be used somehow, some way. I don't know. That's for another day. My point to her is this, and this is what I shared with her. It doesn't matter that your back is crooked. It doesn't matter whether you get healed. What matters is your faith in God, because that's where your faith is. And sometimes God chooses not to heal people. And we get wrapped up in the miraculous. We get wrapped up in the spectacular. We get wrapped up in the wow. And that's what Jesus doesn't want us to do. Because Jesus knows that the day comes on January 1st, 1989, when the rapture didn't happen and all these people have flocked to church. Guess where most of them are going on that day? Probably not to church. For you and I, it's not about the wow, it's about the message of God. That we have been called, that this message is one that Jesus wanted us to understand. And I want to refer back to the fact that the demons <laughs> believed who Jesus was. Do you believe who Jesus is? Do you believe in his message? 
Because you see, that's the third part of this. Jesus' ministry was successful because he was doing the will of the Father. Yes, he performed many miracles. Yes, but he was given the power. And then God, his purpose was to share this message. The purpose of Jesus' ministry, and that's the last point here, is was twofold. We know the one part was for Jesus to go to the cross and die for our sins. But the other purpose was what he said he was sent for. And I'm having a hard time with this, Mark. Just want you to know. It's not staying where it needs. I, maybe I'm trying not to move too much, but it's not happening today. But anyway, look at what Jesus says in chapter in verse 43 of this chapter. He said, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That's why he was sent. To preach the kingdom is at hand. You see, there's an importance to the message here. The importance of the message, that was part of his ministry, to proclaim the good news. Verse 23, he says, that's why I was sent. Okay, I perform miracles, but you know what? That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to perform miracles. That was not on his purpose. That was just something he did because he was compassionate and he could. All these people came to him and were being healed. And yes, Jesus is greater than the demons and he could control them and tell them to get out and to be quiet. Because I want my message to resonate, not my miracles. We act like we can't go do this unless God's going to do something miraculous in our life. Well, the miraculous thing is God loved us and went to the cross. Is that not good enough? That's what he is calling us to understand. Part of his ministry was to proclaim the good news. That was important. Jesus did not want us to get lost up in miracles and the wow factor. Because when the wow goes, guess what? A lot of times so do we. There were a lot of people that Jesus healed that did not come back and say thank you. Please understand something else. Because I think this is a misconception. And I know it is from people that I've talked to across the world. Your measure of faith has nothing to do with whether or not Jesus wants to heal you. Now let me say what I'm understanding. Yes, faith is important. But just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to get healed. And a lot of these people didn't have it, and Jesus healed them anyway. Do you understand that? There's no prerequisite that says, you've got to have this level of faith or I'm not healing you. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus went up and had compassion on somebody and decided to heal them, and he did. Now, there were times that Jesus commended people for their faith, and he said, this is why you were healed. But that was not a prerequisite, okay? So please don't get caught up in that because I've had many people, I mean, let's think about what Jesus said, and I think he said it for a reason, and please. Jesus said if you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you could do what? Move a mountain. 
Okay, raise your hand if you've moved a mountain. Oh. What? You've not moved a mountain? Well, i got to admit, I have. It was a bulldozer and a dump truck, but we moved it. All right? Get my point? That's how small our faith is, folks. How much faith does it take then to get healed? Jesus said, Jesus healed people all the time. Whether they had faith or not was not a prerequisite. Please understand that. Why? Jesus' most important thing that he was doing here in his ministry was proclaiming the kingdom of God was at hand. And repent. That was what he's wanting us to understand. He had results because he was doing the will of the Father. And here's the thing. You and I can have the same results. Did you know that? We can have the same results. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is after Jesus said, all authority has been, has been given to me on heaven and earth. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that he commanded us, and lo, he would be with us always until the very end of the age. He has given us those marching orders. He has given us that to do. He's not left us alone with that. We're to in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, he tells Timothy that, that we are to uh, preach in season, out of season. You know, we have the Holy Spirit that's dwelt in our life. We are to teach and preach the message of Jesus. And it has the authority and the backing of Jesus. So we have that same power and authority within our life with the Holy Spirit. So we too are supposed to understand that we can have those same kind of results because the spirit that was upon Jesus is indwelled in us. You understand that? You understand that? It's indwelled in us. We also have a message to proclaim. It's a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need to perform miracles to back it up. That's not what he's asked us to do. He just said, preach the word. Go back to what he said right there. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Remember the story in the Mount Transfiguration? They were up on the mountain, Jesus with, with Peter and John, James. Is that who was up there? Three of them. I do remember that. But anyway, there, there, there's a moment there when Peter's speaking, hey, Moses and Elijah has appeared to him. He goes, let me build temples for Moses, Elijah, and for you, Jesus, and let's just stay up here on this mountain. And God intervenes. The Scripture says the heavens open up and God speaks. He interrupts Peter. And said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, God could have said a lot of other things after that. I'm proud of him because of all the great works he's done and all the people he's healed and all the miracles he's done and all the sermons, but that's not what he said. 
He said, I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He told those three apostles, listen to what this man is saying. What God is telling us today is listen to what Jesus has said. This is what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to spread the message of Christ to a lost and dying world. That is our goal. That is our calling. I don't care what walk of life you come from. I don't care what your job is. I don't care where you live. I don't care what kind of home you have. I don't care what it is. That is your calling. Part of your calling. To spread the gospel message to a lost and dying world. We have a purpose now, just like Jesus did. We have been given the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. We have the message that's the gospel of Jesus that he has commanded us to preach. And now we have purpose. What is your purpose? What is your ministry? Sometimes we all get caught up in the wrong things because you've been called to do this. You think everybody else has. Take foster care. We have a great foster care ministry, but that's not everybody's calling. There are a lot of people that have that and they do a great job and that's wonderful, but there's a lot of people that support that call two other ways. You may be be called because maybe you work with senior citizens or elderly people. That's not everybody's calling. I know people that have a hard time going into nursing homes. So we have to make sure we understand a couple of things. Number one, what has God gifted me to do? What has God gifted me to do? Not everybody's been called to go to India. I've been there three times. I'm looking forward to my next trip. That's not everybody's calling. I've been to Haiti several times. I, I, you know, I'm an evangelist. I love to preach. Give me a crowd and give me a microphone. That's all I want. And don't give me 34 minutes because I won't make it. I just won't. You got lunch this, you know, at it's 11.24. If your lunch time is at 11.30, you'll be late. All right. But the point is, we all have been called to do something. I really love Dave and some of the things that he does and he's called to do. And we have to make sure as a church, and I'm glad we do, let him do that. Gifted. What are you supposed to be doing? I don't know what yours is, but you need to figure it out. Because God wants to use you. He wants to give you his power and his authority and a message on your heart so you can share it with a lost and dying world. The person that sits next to you at work, the person at school, the person on the bus, the person down the street, your neighbor next door. I don't know. What is it? The church is made up of broken people, but all of us have been given something to add to the church. And that's part of your calling. That's part of your ministry. That is your purpose. Not everybody can sing like some people do. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody's comfortable standing up on stage. Not everybody is. For me, it's okay. I'll do it. It's all right. It doesn't matter. I've been blessed so much to be able to share the message of God in different parts of the world. And I can't tell you how many times I think I've said something that is totally meaningless 
and it's the worst sermon I've ever preached, and I have no idea what's going on, but yet, because of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to hear me say this, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the hearts of people. And I know a lot of times, and I don't disagree, that people come to know God because of someone else, they introduced them, they brought them to church, and that is a part of it. But never, ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. That when God's word is preached, they can be convicted and come to know Christ, period. Most people that I've had the privilege of, of baptizing, Holy Spirit been working on long before I showed up. I just happened to want to be there. We need to understand that. You don't have to do anything spectacular. You don't have to have anything amazing. All you have to do is have faith in God and be a devout servant that God, I will do whatever it is you've called me to do. And he will use it. Just like he uses everyone. So today, we can go look at the spectacular. We can look at the wow. You go, oh yeah. Well, if I could heal people like Jesus did, well, I could probably get a lot of converts too. Like I told you earlier, there are a lot of people that Jesus healed that walked away. That's not what it's about. It's about when the spectacular is gone, when the wow factor is gone. Because what I've learned is that what people really want to know in a time of crisis not the kind of music, and Dave said this before too, it's not the music we sing, it's not the chairs we sit on, it's not what kind of service we have, whether it's contemporary traditional or whatever, or this or that, or no. What they want to know? Jesus helped you, how can he help you? Jesus changed your life, how can he change your life? If Jesus got you through that crisis, how can he get me through my crisis? Because right now my crisis is what's controlling my life. And I need something like that. I need something like that. That greater is the word of God. That greater is Jesus Christ. My friends, today, if you don't know him, today is the day of salvation. Salvation is at hand. To know Jesus, I can probably give you 2,000 and 24 reasons why Jesus might come in 2024, but I doubt it. You know, it doesn't matter. What matters is, will I be ready when it happens? That's the most important thing. Will I be ready when Jesus comes? When he stands at the door and knocks, will I answer? That's greatest. God, we love you. We love the fact that you're willing to to use us to reach the lost world. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that is outside of Jesus, they know him today. I pray if we've gotten lost along the way that we get back and where you want us to be and that we use the gifts you've given us and that we take the ministry by the hand so we can have the same results Jesus had, and that is preaching the good news the lost of this world. Lord, we, we love you. God bless you all. Have a great week.